Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. My um, guest, I'm really excited to talk to him, is Dr. Andreas Ianfeldt. Uh, he's the founder of uh, dietdoctor.com, a um, renowned person that talks about uh, health issues, especially diabetes worldwide and uh, other health issues. So, uh, Andreas, how are you doing? I'm all right. So, thank you for having me. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, tell me a little... Um, background you know you're a doctor what got you into uh caring about nutrition and health you know when most doctors seem to just care about uh i don't know you know being mean to their patients or just prescribing medicines to them <laughs> or wanting to send them to surgery and chop them up yeah well i do think yeah, most doctors do care about health but maybe not nutrition and, and it could be because we get like you know a couple of days of training in medical school and while we have a few years of training about medicines and a few years about surgeries. We have a few days about nutrition. So I guess any doctor who's really interested in that, they have to learn on their own. And uh, I started doing that and I found it really fascinating. And and the more I learn, really the more interesting it becomes. And I, I think it's a huge weakness uh, when it comes to medical education that doctors don't really know about nutrition because in a way it's the, the foundation of of health, you are what you eat, and uh, I mean that's a cliche, but it's, it's basically true. And you cannot be—it's not easy to to find perfect long-term health in a pill, and it's not really easy to outrun a bad diet. In a way, diet is—you know—what you eat is gonna is gonna affect your health. Doesn't matter what what pills you take; it's still gonna affect it. Well, if you just were to just assign a percentage to it, you know, I know it's a very crude calculation, but what percentage of health do you think lies in diet, you know, a good one or a bad oh, yeah. one? Yeah, that, that's a very good question and a very hard question. I don't think there is any, any you know, studies to, to uh, rely on to, to say with certainty a number. But uh, if you ask me, I would say more than 50% um, is diet. And then, you know, uh, most of the rest is, is other lifestyle factors like you know, exercise, sleep, stress, other things like that, and and you know about, um, modern science and uh, drugs and surgery. That's that's really only for certain issues. It's great if you get hit by a you know car, then certainly go to the hospital. That's that's a great place to go. Um, if you get cancer, um, if you're unlucky like that, then certainly go to see a doctor. But when it comes when it comes to chronic disease and you know. Things like obesity, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, all these things that a lot of people, you know, get on, um, put on drugs for every day for the rest of their lives. Often, you know, lifestyle intervention can be far more effective without any drugs. How about, least that's um, my experience, you know, treating patients. Yeah. Well, what do you notice about um, people as they age? Does diet become, you know, more and more and more important or is it still kind of stay at that? let's say, at least 50% importance? Or does it get to be 80% or 90% important? Any just ballpark thoughts there? 
I think it's very, you know, individual. It depends on, on the situation. And, you know, if you have certain, certain conditions like type 2 diabetes or high blood pressure or obesity, then, then you could do even more great things by, by changing your diet or changing your lifestyle. If you are relatively healthy, you know, if you're happy with your health and you have no health issues that you know of, then maybe whatever you're doing is, is good enough and maybe you don't have to do anything. So it uh, depends, I guess. So what, what's your protocol when, when you talk to patients? You know, is your first meeting all about nutrition or you know, what typically happens when you see people? What is, first of all, what do they come to you? What problems do they have when they come to you? And then how do you work with them initially? Yes. So, I mean, I I worked as a family doctor for about 10 years, but I actually do not do that anymore. I quit three years ago, more than three years ago, to focus completely on this company, the diet doctor company and our online, you know, website and trying to, basically the idea was that, you know, I, working as a family doctor, most often you try to help one person at a time to improve their health in some way. And uh, obviously, Issues like type 2 diabetes that perhaps affects 400 million people or more today or obesity, which might affect billions of people today. You can't really make any meaningful impact on numbers like that, trying to you know, talk to one person at a time. So I did have this website that became really popular in Sweden. And then, you know, uh, in the English speaking market, the dietdoctor.com website where, you know, now hundreds of thousands of people every day visit that's a different scale. So that was the the reason really that I felt, you know, trying to help one person while that's great and it's fantastic with every doctor or every healthcare professional who who can do that, that's a fantastic thing. But what if you can you can affect the outcome for ten people in that time or a hundred people or even a thousand people, then that's another scale. And if you have the ability to do that, I think you have the responsibility to try at least so yeah that's yeah. why i you know quit but anyway so going back to your question back when i did work in a clinic as a family doctor you know i would i would basically treat patient patients for whatever they uh, issue they came with and not everybody needs diet advice let's say they have a you know cold or uh, they have a, yeah it can be many 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 things not everybody needs to change their diet but for certain issues uh, I found fascinating this thing called metabolic syndrome, which is you know connected to to obesity. It's connected to type two diabetes or high blood pressure, certain other things. That's where a low carb diet, where you actually uh, try to avoid added sugars, you try to avoid large amounts of of uh, refined carbohydrates and, and starch, it can be enormously effective. And you know. For me, it, it transformed my practice as a doctor when uh, when I started, you know, recommending patients to try this because I, I was used to, you know, patients coming back um, perhaps a year later from from their earlier visit and they, you know, they are a year older and they are a year sicker. Their, you know, risk factors have, you know, gotten a little bit worse. Let's say they have type two diabetes, they may need to increase the dose of their medication, or they may need uh, new medication, maybe add insulin injections or something like that. That was just normal, you know. Everybody, all my other colleagues and 
so on. They consider this to be normal, and that's what people said in, in books and so on. It's just normal. That's way, the way it's supposed to be. But it's not fun. You know, it's not fun for the patients, right. and it's not fun for anybody. So when I started to, you know, based on, on uh, reading books and, and starting to look at a lot of studies, saying that, yes, this actually seems to work. So I, I tried it. I tried started experimenting, you know, based on that, uh, by by telling my patients to try this, and and then we'll we'll follow it up, and you know we'll do new testing, just a few weeks later or a month or two later, and you know they they come back and suddenly their their numbers are are better, and they they are losing weight instead of gaining weight, and they're feeling great, and I started getting you know, gifts from patients. I never got gifts from patients. I don't know, but suddenly. They start bringing me, bringing me gifts because they're, they're so happy about their new lifestyle and and how they can get off drugs instead of increasing the dosage of of their drugs. So that was a profound shift for me, and uh, and that's where it that's started. That's very cool. So um, now that uh, you know your main focus is the Diet Doctor website, you know before when you were practicing physician, you'd see you know hundreds and thousands of people. Now I know you're helping a lot more than that, but do you keep your your finger on the pulse of individual people and what's going on with them? Like, how do you, what kind of data do you see in running this website? You know, do you still interact with hundreds or thousands of people that have metabolic syndrome or, you know, do you help them eat better? Like, you know, I know, again, you deal with, uh, you know, recipes and videos and experts and all that, but I would think it would be important to keep your finger on the pulse of like, individual people at least somewhat and seeing what they're doing and how they're progressing sure i mean that's a that's a, a good question i would actually love for us to start a diet doctor clinic where we could have patients and you know we could have other doctors working there and and it's you know it's on the list of things i would love for us to do in the future i mean now we're we're a company of about 40 people now uh we're still focusing you know almost exclusively online you know except for conferences and, and so on but uh, but yeah i mean in the future i would love for us to have a, a, a clinic of our own as well so i think that's a that's a valid point it would be great so so what i get now is you know i meet a lot of people when i go to conferences for example i was at a local universe conference you know two days ago meeting patients or meeting people I should say who who you know have tried the low carb diet and you know get to hear their stories also you know we get sent these absolutely amazing success stories basically every day but certainly a few every week like longer success stories with you know uh, before and after pictures and people want to share their you know stories with with our our readers it's just amazing the 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 stories that you get to read from truly uh, transformational lifestyle changes so i mean I, i do feel like i have some feedback Still, maybe in some ways more than ever, but yeah, I would love, I would love to work, uh, you know, for us to have a clinic where we could even more sort of have the, as you said, the finger on the pulse. That would be really fantastic. Yeah, I can see, you know, you could have local meetup groups, like local diet doctor meetup groups that would be sponsored by the company somehow, you know, like Weight Watchers does, let's say, or I guess there's a lot of ways to move forward. As you progress, ah, there's uh, there's a lot of ways. I mean, we we have some of that. You know, we occasionally we have these meetups of of uh, people who are members to our site, and we just you know invite a few uh, volunteers sort of for uh, and take them out for dinner and, and talk 
Um, so that's also something that can be done. We do that occasionally, but we don't have like Weight Watchers sessions where people come and, and you know stand on a scale or anything like that. Well, what, so what are you seeing from the data? You know, again, you you have uh, so many people visiting the site and watching videos and interacting. Like, what kind of trends are you seeing lately? So I think there is a lot of things going on. Um, I think the, there are a couple of of trends at least that are really important. Uh, and the first one is that I think uh, a foundation behind this, or one of the main causes perhaps of this epidemic that we're seeing of obesity around the world and type 2 diabetes and, and a lot of related diseases is this, this whole thing basically started or you know most of it started as we became really afraid of natural fat. So back in the early 80s, uh, People were told with increasing certainty that, you know, to be healthy and to avoid heart disease and probably other diseases as well, you're supposed to avoid fat, right? You're supposed to not eat butter. You're supposed to not eat meat or eggs or anything like that. No fat and no cholesterol because that's what leads to heart disease. There was never any good scientific evidence to support that theory. And the problem, I would say, is that if you avoid a lot of you know, old-fashioned natural foods like that, you're going to be more hungry and you, you will have to eat more of something else to feel satisfied. And in today's world, that other thing is very often refined carbohydrates and sugar. Like if you produce low-fat food products, you take away the fat, then it's not going to taste very well. So you know, how you solve that, you add a lot of sugar. It's great. Now it tastes good and it's cheap. Uh, only problem is, people tend to gain weight from, from eating that. And that's, that's what happened. So I think there is a, a strong trend now in the last you know, decade or so, but certainly in the last few years, where people are sort of starting to give up that fear of fat and, and sort of accepting that, hey, natural fat is you know, neutral. You, know, you don't have to fear it. Not like you have to eat a lot of fat, just that you don't have to be afraid of it either. You know, it's, it's fine to use butter when you're cooking or, you know, it's fine to eat eggs. Don't have to worry about it. So that's one trend I think that's very strong. And the other trend is right. we're, we're going from this idea that weight loss or weight maintenance or, you know, maintaining a good weight is all about counting your calories, which is a, a very strange idea, actually, because back, let's say, 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 200 years ago, whatever you choose, nobody even knew what a calorie was, basically. If you ask someone on the, on the street, you know, nobody would even know. Yet they were all thin, you know. And now everybody, most people know about calories, and a lot of people are counting calories every day, and, and yet we have an obesity epidemic. So it doesn't seem to be working that well. More importantly, if you look at studies, you can find that Counting calories and trying to eat less is not very effective. So the problem, most likely, I would say, is that just counting calories and trying to eat less is, is quite hard if you're hungry, if you want to eat. So it doesn't work that well. The interesting thing is when you, when you look in studies, you can see that a low-carb diet, you remove the sugar, you remove the, most of the starch, people tend to eat less spontaneously. Even if you don't tell them to count their calories, 
they still tend to eat less. And you find in studies that people actually get less hungry on a low-carb diet. So they spontaneously eat less without even counting. And then there are studies, including a study published just a few days ago in the British Medical Journal, a really big study showing that people on a low-carb diet actually burn more calories, which is really interesting. Somewhere between 200 and 500 calories per day, which is a huge amount, depending on different groups you look at, whether they have high insulin levels or or low insulin levels and so on. But somewhere in that vicinity, 200 and 500 calories a day. Well, there are theories about that, that uh, on the low-carb diet, the the hormone insulin, uh, you have a lower level of that, which is a fat-storing hormone. So when you have low levels of that, fat is released from the fat stores and it's easy to easy for the body to burn it and it sort of encourages the body to burn excess fat if you have excess weight while if you're on a higher carb diet your insulin levels the levels of this fat storing hormone uh, go up and you know it's, it's not as easy for the body to burn the fat because it's sort of locked away in the fat stores because of this this fat storing hormone and also you're you're basically burning the carbohydrates that you're eating because you you cannot store much of that. So the body is in a constant sort of glucose burning or carbohydrate burning mode, mostly. While on a low-carb diet, you after a while, your body gets adapted to burning more fat for energy, which also makes it very easy to, theoretically at least, you know, to burn your excess body fat as well. You're, the body is already burning fat, so you just keep doing that. So, I mean, nobody exactly knows no. everything about this, but it, it's really interesting in that we're being told, or we have been told that to lose weight, you have to eat less and move more to sort of eat fewer calories and, and burn more calories. But the thing is, it seems like the smart way to do it is probably with some form of a low-carb diet, at least for a lot of people, because what you end up doing is spontaneously eating fewer calories because you're less hungry and spontaneously burning more calories because your your fat storing hormone is low, so it's very easy for the body to burn excess fat if you have it. So you you end up uh, eating less and burning more calories without even you know, doing any counting or or you know even not even thinking about it, which is in a way what people used yeah. to do a hundred years ago when nobody know, knew what a calorie was, uh, and it works. What um I'm curious, what percentage of people were difficult cases. They would do a low carb, you know, um, a low carb, low starch diet, low sugar diet, and maybe they would lose weight and they'd plateau, or they, you know, I guess yeah, lose weight and plateau, or maybe wouldn't lose nearly as much weight as they wanted to. How often did you sure. see that? How often do you see that? And what do you think is the reason? And what can people do about it? That's a good question. I mean, that's certainly fairly common. Sure, not everybody loses weight easily on a low-carb diet, and not everybody loses as much weight as he or she would like. Um, Certainly not. So there are many, many reasons, I think, and many, many different things that can be done. So for one thing is, you know, are people really doing a very low-carb diet, or are they just doing a moderate low-carb diet? Maybe they need to reduce the carbs even more to get uh, the effect that they need. Another thing, if they if they really do that, is you know, is it is it a low carb diet that they need? Is you know, 
is the problem that they uh, that makes them gain weight that they have high insulin levels or you know insulin resistance or this metabolic syndrome then low carb tends to be quite effective but there are other reasons to gain weight as well and for those other reasons low carb might not be all that effective for example you know uh, some women after 40 uh, due to hormonal changes often tend to gain a number of pounds and you know low carb is not necessarily effective uh, for that uh, and they they might lose weight on low carb but not as much as they would like i th- think the the biggest group that do not lose as much weight as they would like on a low carb diet is women over 40 and they may have to do other things or 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 just you know accept uh, that it's really hard for some people in that situation to to get to uh, the same weight as they they used to have unfortunately so there are other things to do like intermittent fasting can help some people you know hormone hormone supplementation might help a few people and for other people maybe it's more about you know accepting that some things change with time and and uh, you know the the norms in our society are not always you know compatible with what's normal for our bodies unfortunately and then you get to a situation where you, you maybe have to say that hey i'm i'm happy the way i am i'm not going to try to look the way people expect me to look uh, you know i'm my health is good i feel great i should just be happy the way i am and i think that's great uh, other people might feel, you know, I really want to lose a few pounds anyway. And, you know, you can always count your calories. You can always, you know, do some meat and fasting. But, you know, if it if it leads to not feeling great or being hungry, maybe it's not worth it. You know? So I, I guess it's... Uh, yeah. It's just odd to me that, I mean, I, I know it's such a complicated issue, but it's just odd that uh, it doesn't work for some people. And, you know, I know some of them are not compliant, but... There are some, I'm sure, that are, and they still uh, they're still having issues. So I just wonder how often yeah, you sure. saw I mean, that in your practice, and what you you know I I hear your thoughts on it. I just wonder if you had any other thoughts about it. I mean, sure, there are other things to do as well. You know, sleep is is a big factor. If people have not great sleep, then uh, that can impact weight loss. Stress can be a factor. You know, if the, if you have a very stressful life, then perhaps you may want to look at ways to make it less stressful uh, that can be helpful you know certain medications can be an issue for weight loss and you know maybe there are other medications that can be used or maybe they are not needed and then that can be helpful certainly exercise can have some effects on weight loss although it's you know people often have unrealistic expectations about the effect of exercise uh, so maybe it's not as effective as, as most people believe today but it certainly has some effect so i mean that can that can be helpful too and you know there are even more things that that you can do but those are i guess some of the main ones you know intermittent fasting adding that to a low carb diet can be really powerful as well like uh, you know okay. eating within 8 hours of a day and, and fasting for 16 hours which could be you know you eat lunch and dinner and, and then you you don't eat anything until lunch the, the next day. And on a low-carb diet, for, for a lot of people, that's relatively easy to do. And, and that can be effective, too, to improve the increase the, the power of a low-carb diet. Um, any other things out there you've seen helpful? You know, uh, what about the ketogenic diet? 
you know, I'm sure you've run into that and it's talked about in the diet doctor site. What are your thoughts around that versus low carb? Sure. I mean, ketogenic diet is a low carb diet. It's a very strict low carb diet where you uh, restrict your carbohydrates to perhaps below 20 grams a day. So, so it's a, it's a strict low carb diet. I think that's uh, probably the most effective low carb diet because there, it seems to be, you know, there are no good studies really comparing different levels of, of carb restrictions. Um, but, but it seems from experience, uh, from, um, clinical experience, it seems like the, the lower uh, the carbs, the more effective it tends to be for weight loss. So that would make it likely that a, a strictly ketogenic you know, low-carb diet is, is going to be a bit more effective. So that, that's what I believe. And it would be great. <laughs> it would be great if someone did a study to compare a ketogenic diet, let's say below 20 grams of carbs, with a, a more moderate a low carb diet with say you know 50 grams a day or 75 grams a day that would be really interesting to see would there be a clear uh, difference my guess is they would both be pretty effective but the the stricter diet would be slightly more effective yeah a question popped into my head if you look at if you look at macros you know today versus uh, 50 years ago what do you what do you guess the differences would be in the in terms of the macros that people take in in their diet in general? Yeah, so if you just look at the average numbers in the population, the the percentage of fat has gone down in the last three or four decades, while the percentage of carbohydrates is up by you know a number of percentage points. So if you look back in time, people used to eat a larger amount, a larger percentage of fat and a lower percentage of, of carbohydrates. But I think the main difference, if you look back even further, like uh, you know, 150 years or so, is that the, the carbohydrates that people did eat were a lot less processed, a lot less refined, a lot less added sugar, a lot less white flour, and more you know, high-fiber, um, you know, unrefined carbohydrates that are slower to be absorbed and Less sugar, certainly. So I think that's probably the main factor. Okay. And any trends that you're seeing that are developing right now, you know, good or bad? I think um, there is, I think, a good trend that people are more aware of, you know, the potential dangers of refined carbohydrates and sugar. Even, you know, experts and scientists are are getting much more much more aware of that. So that's a, a good trend, I, I think, but it's, it's really taking a long, long, long time. Uh, this is like, you know, it took 50 years for people to stop smoking. Most, most people, not all people, of course. I think it's going to take 50 years to, for most people to get off added sugar, mostly. <laughs> it's going to take a long time, most likely, but it's happening. Hmm. And then, all right, just, uh, just one or two more questions. Um, you talked about uh, intermittent fasting as a good adjunct, you know, for people that want to lose weight and be healthier. You talked about, you know, if they can, keto being more strict than low carb, that may be a benefit. Any other items out there that you see are benefits to helping people lose weight and to get in better health? Um, exogenous ketones, for instance, um, you know, metformin. Yeah, and interesting. Um, uh, groups. Interesting. You know, losing topic, weight in a group, uh, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, doing it... Uh, losing weight in a group and, and keeping each other accountable. I think that's probably effective for a lot of people, if not all people. 
And when it comes to exogenous ketones, I'm not a huge proponent. Uh, there are no studies, as far as I'm aware of, at all that show any effect on weight loss. And theoretically, I would I would argue that it's quite likely it has the opposite effect because you're basically adding extra empty calories on top of whatever else else you're you're eating. That's that's all you're doing. Drinking empty calories. There's no nutrition in there except for the energy from the ketones. So I find it hard to believe that that would help people in general to lose weight. So the the counter argument is that these drinks could potentially help make you less hungry and you would eat less bad food potentially. And that could be helpful. And, you know, in, in theory that might happen, but, you know, I've seen absolutely zero evidence to support that idea. So for me, I would say that's, that's, uh, that's expensive empty calories people are drinking if, if they are after weight loss. Okay. And then what about um, any weight loss drugs? Any of them good? Metformin, um, you know, insulin seems to have the opposite effect. Uh, anything you think that may be useful or stay away if you can? Yeah, I would, I would, not, I would not recommend it as a, as a first option to anybody really. Metformin might have uh, a little bit of an effect, but it's not, it's not powerful for weight loss, really. I mean, it might have a, a tiny effect. Uh, there are some uh, drugs that are mainly used for, for type 2 diabetes that, that certainly have weight loss as a side effect, like the GLP-1 analogs. Um, what is it called in the U.S.? Saxandra or something. Um, it's called Victosa in Europe. Um, I mean, there are lots of different brand names, but the GLP-1 analogs, they are fairly effective, actually. You can lose a number of pounds um, using that, but it's also quite expensive. And then you have these SGLT, SGLT2 inhibitors where you take a pill and it basically helps you pee out sugar through your kidneys, which can lead to some weight loss. But it's not good to combine that with a low-carb diet because there are some cases of ketoacidosis, which is a, a dangerous sort of metabolic dysfunction in the body that could actually kill you. So it's not recommended to do that uh, together with a keto diet. It could be very dangerous. Uh, but the GLP, uh, P1 analogs, those injectable weight loss drugs. I mean, they are expensive and there are side effects and dangers to that as well, but at least they have some effect, certainly. So for the I would most not part, recommend it. Back, that's a diet. Treatment. Yeah, it's, it's diet and lifestyle, certainly. That's, uh, that's the way to lose weight and feel good while doing it uh, without having to spend money, without having, hopefully, any negative side effects long term. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, probably. So uh, tell me about Diet Doctor a bit. Uh, what are some of the resources there, and what do people find most interesting or useful that you get anecdotes from? Yeah, sure. Uh, so dietdoctor.com is the largest low-carbon keto website in the world. Hundreds of thousands of people visit every day. We have basically everything you need to do a low-carb or keto diet, to make it simple, to make it safe, effective, and uh, you know all the recipes you might need, uh, meal plans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Two-week challenge you can sign up for daily emails, etc. To to get you get you started. All that stuff is is free. And then we have it's all supported. We don't you know we show no ads. We take no money from 
from industry. We sell no products. The only thing we have is a uh, we're supported by the people with an optional membership. So you can basically do use the site to do keto or low carb uh, without paying anything. But if you want the uh, you know the premium version, we have you know about a hundred meal plans, shopping lists, and four hundred videos, movies presentations, video courses, everything you could imagine on the on the topic. And uh, there's a free trial for a month. People can use that part of the website for free as well if they like. That's fine. Um, after that, if people want to stay, it's $9 a month. Cancel any time, like Spotify or Netflix, but cheaper. And that's how we're supported. We have uh, 55,000 members now. So that's where we get our revenue. That's where what helps us, our members, you know, funds are our people and the 40 people who work with the website. It's going to be 50 people, I hope, trying to hire fantastic people. If anybody's listening who's passionate about low-carb keto and wants to come work with us in Stockholm, Sweden, then they should uh, send us an email. That's fantastic. That's great. Well, Andreas, any, um, anything, you know, my last question is anything that's really surprised you about your journey and about uh, the people you've seen and Anything unusual or interesting or, or, you know, anything that makes you feel really, really good that you want to mention? I think what surprises me the most or what has surprised me the most with this uh, this whole journey is, you know, how hard it is to, to change your mind about things. And I guess it's true for everybody, including me. Uh, but I, I thought when I got started with this, you know, 15 years ago, I got really interested in, in low carb. I started the website uh, 11 years ago. I thought like in maybe in five years, everybody's going to know about this. It's going to be just obvious to, to anybody. But, but, you know, here we are 11 years later and yes, things have improved and yes, things are moving in the right direction all the time. But still, you know, experts are saying that eating eggs are going to, it's going to kill you or eating butter is going to give you a heart attack. And it's, it's pretty amazing that that still happens in 2018. But I, I think it's really connected to how hard it is for people to change their minds if they've been uh, convinced of something for, for decades. It's, it's really hard. And, and this, is, this is a change that's going to take another decade or two, maybe three. I'm just hoping that uh, the work that you know, people are doing online, spreading the message and all the stories that get shared and all the stuff on social media, it's going to make it happen faster. So it's, it's, it's an exciting journey. I wish it was faster, but, you know, at least a lot of people are, are doing what can be done. Well, very because, good. I mean, basically, well, it, it comes down, I just want to finish, uh, sorry, I thought that, you know, there's, there are a billion people, that's billion with a B in the world with, with metabolic syndrome, with obesity, with type 2 diabetes, where, where low carb can really transform their lives to the better. And I hope, you know, that all of them will have that opportunity and get the support that they deserve. Yeah, definitely. That's that's a, that's a lot of people that uh, unfortunately may end up with you know all kinds of disabilities and sicknesses and unhappy lives. So there's a lot of people that need help. You know, definitely. Well, very good, Andreas. Thank you for the work that you do and for DietDoctor.com and uh, and for all your help. I'm I'm glad you came to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. You have been listening to Almost Here Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and 
more. <laughs> <laughs>